0: Welcome back to another Coffee and Heroes podcast, it's time for our monthly preview show. This is the, the show, of course, where we go through the previews catalogue and we pick out the titles we think are most deserving of your hard-earned cash. Well, maybe not hard-earned cash for some people, but you know who you are. But yeah, we're going to pick out the best stuff from the DC book, from the Marvel book, from the indie books, and uh, throw a few honourable mentions in there as well, just in case you're particularly flushed that month. Uh, your host is always Alan, the, ho- the owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, and joined this evening as always by Keith. Good evening, sir.
1: And good evening to you. Uh, and of course, we we uh, had a bit of a time change at the weekend. British summertime, as they call it. And so for a change, we're recording in the daylight. It's a bit of a strange feeling, I have to say. This evening?
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, a, bit yeah, of a strange feeling. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday. You know, we've just had a new comic book day in the store. Nice busy day. And then it's straight home to, to tuck into these previous books. There's a lot of good stuff to go into. I mean, some books are certainly stronger than others. But, uh, you know, if, if we always have our nice little introductions. And looking at the DC book, for example, I joked, uh, Keith was putting notes up for us, as he always does. And uh, my he had this long intro written out for his Marvel stuff of mentioning this, mentioning that. And I literally wrote DC, not much. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> of a quieter month for DC. But I think part of that as well is last month was so packed to the gills. It was unreal. You know, last month was Titans number one, Green Lantern number one, Shazam number one. You know, it was all these great books, and this it was month the the, the dawn of out.
1: DC launches, wasn't it? A lot of that,
0: very much so. And this this is a little bit of a come down, but at the same time, there's still great stuff to get into, which we'll we'll certainly chat about. You know, there are a few new series there. There's some starting points. There's one or two sort of special edition one shot books, almost of some of our favorite titles. But you know, there's there's also some good trades in there as well. You know, quick shout out for the. Batman Hardcover volume 2, which is Chips at Arsky's second volume on Batman. You've got the first hardcover coming out of uh, Ram V's Detective Comics. You've got <clears throat> Wildcats The Trade Paperback volume 1 coming out, Matthew Rosenberg. Been doing some great work there. Uh, they're continuing to milk the Sandman uh, universe and making sure to squeeze every last drop out of you. As Keith is unfortunately going to find out as he wrestles with his emotions whether to get book 5 because he is going to want book 6. And it would look weird on the shelf one to four and then six, but yeah, Sandman book six is Overture, which was the more recent uh, series. Ah, uh, it was a good sort of eight or nine years ago as well. So, uh, that's hitting this month as well, and plenty more besides that, which we'll certainly get into when we hit the DC book. Uh, and what about with the Marvel stuff? What's uh, what's catching your eye?
1: Well, it is. Uh, it's all heating up uh, as we hit June uh, for for the X-Men as they get their their last wee bit of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of time in the light, time in the sun, shall we say, uh, before uh, Fall of X lands on them and threatens to destroy everything that's been built in the edge of Krakoa. And uh, that sort of makes the point that, uh, June, we see this sort of crossover between uh, X-Men and your favourite Iron Man, uh, both currently being written by Jerry Duggan, uh, and that's well, all going to well. tie into the...
0: I- I'm enjoying Invincible Iron Man at the moment. I- I'm not too proud to admit it.
1: Okay, good. Well, I'm glad to hear. But that's all going to tie into the the fall of X. So uh, the X-Men and, the, and and Iron Man are going to share an adventure, uh, teaming up to take on Stark Tech Sentinels, built by Tony Stark's former company, now owned by the uh, the villainous anti-mutant group Orcus. Um, we've got some good, cool stuff happening across the Avengers, the Heroes line. We've got a, a new number one for the Incredible Hulk. We've got a new number one for Black Panther from Evel Ewing and Chris Allen. Uh, we've got uh, some Pride celebration stuff from Marvel Voices, uh, of course, coming up in June. Cold War will be coming to an end in uh, Sentinel of Liberty number thirteen, Symbol of Truth number fourteen, and the Cold War Omega issue. Of course, those Omega issues have become sort of the the, the classic uh, capstone of uh, of Marvel's uh, miniseries. Uh, again, going back to the the what's coming what's coming up. You know, for the X-Men with the, the fall of X, we have um, last month we had a one shot uh, from Cy Sparrere, uh, uh called X-Men Before the Fall, whatever it was called. Uh, this year, we've, this month, we've got X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, one shot from Al Ewing and X-Men Before the Fall, uh, Mutant First Strike, uh, number one from Steve Orlando. Uh, We've got in the Spider-Man corner of uh, the Marvel Universe, which I know is a a favourite for us all. This month we've got uh, Amazing Spider-Man 27 and 28, but I'm going to notice Ed McGuinness is on art rather than uh, our favourite JRJR. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be an ongoing thing, but uh, certainly he's killing it in the current uh, current, uh, issues of Amazing Spider-Man. We've also got in the Amazing Spider-Man facsimile edition uh, side of things, which are the the reproductions of of classic uh, issues. We've got the uh, the reproductions of issue of Amazing Spider Man issue number one hundred and twenty one and one hundred and twenty two, which was the uh, the the heart rending death of Gwen Stacy, and the uh, the, the the likewise the uh, well the apparent death of uh, of the Green Goblin, uh, following uh, directly on from that. So if you've never read those, uh, I would highly recommend picking them up in the Flexi money edition just just to read. Um, and if you've never read them, what are you doing with your life <laughs> uh, is the other question. Uh, we've got Venom number 20 and 21 in June uh, with uh, Cafu uh, taken over completely as uh, as the artist uh, on Venom uh, from Brian Ewing, uh, which is great to see. Uh, and I think, or sorry, Brian, no Brian Ewing. Brian, Brian Ewing.
0: Al Ewing what? take it over for a, uh, so Al Ewing's your writer, Brian Hitch yes. is your artist. Brian
1: Hitch, sorry, Brian Hitch is my artist. I mean, it's Capu's important to
0: get that name clear in your head because he plays a pretty big part in. It does Marvel's well, biggest um, title this month, which we'll get to.
1: I'm well aware of that. So <laughs> Cafu's taking over the art from, uh, from Brian Hitch, and I think Al Ewing is is taking over completely for Ram V. Yeah, I think he's I going his- solo.
0: I think Ram's stepping away from some of those titles, Carnage and Venom. And uh, yeah. I think he, I think he said that this year and next year is going to be a big creator young couple of years for him. So I think he's working on some mm. some personal stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, certainly, and he's he's doing that the, the vigil stuff over at DC as well. Um, and also we have uh, if you've been if you've been keying into uh to the uh, the, the not X Men specific uh, part of the X Men universe, uh, Wolverine and over in Wolverine and X Force, uh, Beast has been revealing the. The, the the true depths of his uh of his his complete bastardy uh and uh that seems to be coming to a head in uh, wolverine 34 and x force 41 because he is up to no good uh and has been for quite some time um so yeah it's uh it is uh, uh there's a lot going on over in the marvel corner
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always slightly caught unaware every month because the Marvel book is always about ten times as thick as the DC book anyway. Uh, But obviously DC sort of, you know, shrink theirs down a little bit, you know, four titles for their ongoings on the same page, that kind of thing. So the Marvel book always feels, but there is tons of great stuff, as you say, which we're certainly going to do a deep dive in. New creative teams for some titles, loads of great jumping on points, and an event that seems to be very well-timed for my own personal reading, which uh, I'll certainly get into with that as well. I mean, when it comes to the indie side of things. I mean, there's there's plenty there. Um, there's there's a good few new image titles, including you know Mr. Image himself, Robert Kirkman launching a new title with his uh, Oblivion wow. song artist Lorenzo De Felici, no less. We've got some new stuff from the likes of AWA, from IDW. We're we've really showcased the sort of smaller labels this month as well with titles from Fair Square Comics, Oni Press, Titan, uh, so t- Source point Press. So we'll be going into more detail in those. I mean, there are a couple that we'll just mention in the intro, you know, sort of box set or trade paperback-wise type thing. I mean, a big one uh, is, there's a great title called Vicious Circle from Mattson Tomlin and uh, Lieber Mayo. The first issue was oversized uh, format, so if Keith's going to stick with this title, that's how you know it's special. Uh, And the (laughs) first issue was awesome, but the second one's been a long time coming, but finally it's heading in uh, in this previews book uh but a couple yeah. of box sets cost called your eye in the in the previous yeah
1: absolutely I mean Titan is uh Titan comics uh, magazines uh, are releasing uh an afro samurai volume one and two box set I don't know if you're familiar with uh with that uh, anime where the afro samurai was was voiced by Samuel, Samuel Jackson, Jackson. Yeah, yeah um it's uh, it's a manga classic it's essential reading for all fans of that that medium and Afro Japanese futurism, uh, and this is a great box set to it. You know, Japan has become a a land of techno warriors, warlords, and assassins, and technology of the future sort of exists alongside brutal traditions of the past, and uh, it, it, uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, so those those are the two volumes of, of that. I did uh, have to laugh
0: just in the previews book for Afro Samurai. It has a quote from Samuel L. Jackson. And you almost got to say it in his voice because the the spelling is so terrible in the quote. It's really messing with me, but it's got to figure out a way to get this on the big screen. Three exclamation marks. My man Takeshi Okazaki did his fine with this one. It's really upsetting me.
1: <laughs> You're all good. You're all good. Don't worry too much. <laughs> um. The uh, the other one also from Titan. Uh, they're playing it. they big with the uh, the box sets uh, this month. So I think each one has a has like two hardbacks in it. Um, uh, is the uh, is the the Horizon Zero Dawn Volume One and Two uh, box set? Obviously that uh, that's that's all based in the Horizon Zero Dawn uh, PlayStation game universe. Now I read one or two issues of this prior to playing the game which was probably silly of me because I had no context whatsoever other than the fact that uh, that mechanical dinosaurs looked kind of groovy. Um, but uh, Sorry, I, might go down, I might go back and have a look at this. The two volumes feature Aloy and fan favourites uh, Talana and Erend, and they expand the Zero Dawn universe. They're set before, after and during the, uh, the, the first game. Uh, and they also include uh, unique art cards and, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. So I absolutely love that world. Uh, I'm currently playing my way through uh, Forbidden West, uh, which is the second game. So uh, I might be interested in picking that up myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think another one just worth throwing in quickly as well is there's a Blade Runner Origins 1-3 box set as well. As you say, Titan Comics really going big on the box sets. And what they seem to be doing in their box sets as well, I've noticed, is that they come uh, with art cards as well. That extends to the Afro Samurai uh, and it her- extends to Horizon Zero Dawn and then with the Blade Runner one as well. And Blade Runner Origins was a fantastic expansion to the uh, the Blade Runner world. And we were following it through single issues, of course, but this box set's going to contain all three volumes. So I already had a pre order put in for this today. So thought it was definitely worth that. Mentioning this is basically discovering the origins of the Blade Runner division. So definitely worth a look there as well. Um, I, I, I see that you've stuck with the dynamite title for many issues now. This is great. Oh, to see. I
1: mean, I absolutely have. This was uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 Lord of the Jungle uh, title. From uh, Dan Jurgens and uh, Benito Gallego, and uh, number six will be rolling around uh, in June. I think number five and then number six, uh, which is the conclusion uh, of of this book, uh, and it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. It has been fantastic. It's looked fantastic from from the very very start. Um, so yeah, uh, if this is collected, it's definitely worth jumping on. And I say that knowing it's a dynamite book.
0: Well, as you say, it's the conclusion this month, some sort of the trade solicitation won't be too far behind and I'm sure we'll highlight that in a future episode as well to give you the heads up on that so but yeah, that's sort of the brief overview. We'll jump into our deep dive now. Just again, we—I uh, should mention it—is these are the April books. So April books, mostly June's uh, release, but some of them are advanced solicitations along the way as well. As ever, multiple ways to check these books out yourself. We always have a copy of them in the store, sitting up at the counter. You can come in, flick through them in the shop. Uh, You can find them online, Newsarama are very good for the Marvel solicitations. DC Connect seems to have sort of fixed itself this month, and you can find uh, (laughs) number 35 there. Uh, And then the indie stuff, you'll see various articles around the internet as well. But again, all you have to do is listen to the Coffin Heroes previous podcast, and you don't really need anything else, let's be honest. Oh, I should say, apart from Alan's top five picks on YouTube, but we'll uh, get to that on a later, uh, at a later time. But yes, let's dive into the books anyway. Uh, so DC Connect, issue 35, April 2023. So kicking things off... Uh, I thought it was worth mentioning that Chip Zdarsky's Batman is issue 136 is this month but the reason I bring it up is we always like to throw out starting points for people, jumping on points things like that. So Chip has so far done his uh, Batman run in arcs. So the first arc was Feel Safe, the second arc is the Batman of Gotham which is the current arc which is as far as 133. But 136 is going to kick off a brand new uh, story arc. New artist coming on as well, Boleyn Ortega who is a phenomenal artist. She did a lot. Of uh, Tim Drake, she even managed to make Tim Drake look good. That's all I can say. <laughs> so uh, I just love throwing out things to get Keith, get a rise out of Keith.
1: No, like a wee dig at the at the best Robin, the best.
0: That's the sound of me slamming something down. Not so much, like but yeah, Batman one three six, as I say. So if you fancy a jumping on point, this uh, for single issues, this is where you wanna you wanna be going. So uh, written by Chip, as I say, an art by and Ortega. So feel safe in Red Mask of Forever. Change Batman and Gotham isn't as welcoming as it once was. Can Batman remind them who he is? Can he remind Catwoman? The future of the Bat book starts here, and everyone's world is about to explode. I quite like the vagueness of that because my worry in the previews is always after he's successfully defeated in the issue that you haven't read yet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see a nice
1: vague description. Though no, it's funny hearing Gotham isn't as welcoming as it once was. Was Gotham when ever was welcoming? Ever? That's a very mm. good point. Mm.
0: So, yeah, I mean, Batman 136, as I say, jumping on point, definitely. But uh, also uh, in the Bat universe as well, of course. this I think this would function as a jumping on point. And a one-off issue, would you say?
1: Uh, it, looks, it certainly looks like it. Uh, the issue we're talking about is Nightwing 105 by uh, creative team Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. And uh, it is the byline is, be Nightwing for a day in this special issue you told from his point of view. Masterminds Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are back at it again to present Nightwing fans with another, another special issue uniquely designed uh, for them to be Nightwing for a day. This oversized story will feature Nightwing from his point of view, allowing Reader to use his Escrima sticks and leap through Bloodhaven. Uh, you don't want to miss this issue as there'll be other surprises along the way, including who'll show up beside you. Um, so there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of uh, variants here, uh, including uh, Dan Mora, a beautiful Dan Mora variant, and a, and a DC Pride variant. So uh, I'd say this will be... Uh, this will be absolutely uh, fantastic, uh, and of course, the the other special issue they're referring to was the uh, the the one that uh, that just ran concurrently that you have uh, taped to the coffee and heroes floor.
0: Absolutely free issue for everyone every time they in the coffee and heroes. Just walk along in front of the graphic novels and follow the story of Nightwing uh, in the phenomenal. One large image issue. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, someone said to me that they thought that, you know, they were worried maybe Tom Taylor was getting gimmicky, but... I don't see it that way. I see it as I'm playing with the, um, playing with the conventions of the format. I think the, this creative team have more than earned our trust that they do not need gimmicks to keep our attention. So uh, I just think this is just another cool thing that they're doing more than anything else, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, so Nightwing 105. So again, even if you're not on Nightwing, I think you could jump into that issue and it'll probably be a one-shot tale, but may also prove to be a jumping-on point. But also to echo Keith's sentiments in the, in the intro, if you're not on Nightwing, what are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. So... That is Nightwing, but we're going to stay in Gotham with the next one as well. This one actually came a little bit out of nowhere for me. Uh, this is a new series uh, focusing on The Penguin. So The Penguin number one, it's written by Tom King. Ding, ding. Interested already. Uh, art and cover by Stefano Guadino and Scorpio Steel. There's a bunch of variants there as well. Now, it's a number one is solicited, but what they've also done here is there's going to be a zero issue. Now, the zero issue for anybody who reads Batman, you don't need it. Uh, because what it's doing is it's collecting the backup tales from Batman 125 to 127, which were written by Chip Zdarsky and art by Belen Ortega, who, of course, just mentions taking over the main book. Uh, so it's just those three issues which goes into how Penguin has, quote, died and he has all these kids and it's all about how his fortune's going to be scattered. So basically with the Penguin number one, that's going to follow that event. So... Uh, it sounds really, really cool. So, Revenge is for the Birds. After retiring to Metropolis following his, quote, death, Oswald Cobblepot finds himself forced back into the unpredictable and violent Gotham City underworld as a pawn for the United States intelligence community. Gotham's criminal element has been evolving since he was last in the city with his bastard twin children ruling the Iceberg Lounge. And what of the man he framed for his death, Batman, is the penguin walking into a death sentence? From award-winning and best-selling <clears> writer <throat> Tom Keane and artist Stefano Guadino, who worked on Gotham Central and The Walking Dead? Uh, comes a bloody, hard-boiled tale of redemption and revenge. First of all, I want to know what they did in The Walking Dead, because Walking Dead to me is Charlie Adler and uh, Tony Moore. I can't think of another. Hmm,
1: of interesting. But I think um, the plot
0: sounds really, really interesting for them.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, the Penguin was was left in a in a fairly uh, odd position uh, towards the end of one of those later runs uh, of of Batman. So yeah, be be interesting to see. Uh now for a seamless segue. Uh you mentioned Scorpio Steel and staying on the uh on the on on the steel end of things, we have Steelworks number one, which is uh one of the seamless uh, see that, you love it, Oof. uh which is another one of the Dawn and DC uh launches. Uh it is written by the one and only Michael Dorn, uh known to appreciators of Good Sci Fi as Warf. From the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and currently Picard season three, uh, and he was also the voice of Steel in the uh, Superman the Animated Series because very few people have a better voice than Michael Dorn. Um, so he's teaming up with uh, former Harley Quinn and Catwoman artist uh, Sammy Basri uh, for Steelworks Number One, forging the future. The Metropolis of the future is here today, but cannot survive a terrorist who's out for revenge against its builder, John Henry Irons, also known as Steel, and his company Steelworks, and who possesses secrets that could undo everything John has worked for so hard to build. Uh, While John's professional life is firing on all cylinders, his personal life is even better. His on-again, off-again relationship with Lana Lang might be back on permanently. Now he must decide whether it's time to give up being steel once and for all, but does John uh, even know who he would uh, who who he would be without his superhero identity? Uh, how does the other Steel, John's niece Natasha Irons, feel about his momentous decision? And does any of that matter? Steelworks crumbles around him when he lacks the superpowers to fight back. This is uh, the next chapter in Steel's saga in a not to be missed six issue miniseries, um, and it also has a cover by our buddy Clay Mann.
0: Yeah, just as I wasn't that interested in that, you just had to go and throw Clay's name out there. Yeah, I mean, Steve's I not a character I'm overly familiar with, but uh, I'll maybe take your advice on this one and give the first issue a try and go uh, from there. I would.
1: I would. I mean, I don't know what Michael Dorn's like as a as a writer, but uh, I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. I think he. I think he probably. I don't know if he wrote any episodes of Star Trek or. Or what the crack was, but anyway, um, moving on. And having a look at that, I would say, uh, still under the uh, the Dawn of DC banner, we have an oversized anniversary issue of the Flash, written by Jeremy Adams, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, and Joshua Williamson. It includes a Dawn of DC prelude by the new Flash creative team, Sai Spurrier and Mike Deodato Jr. Uh, so this is the Flash 800. Uh, it's an oversized, as I said, anniversary issue, concluding writer Jeremy Adams' acclaimed tenure. With uh, special guests Mark Wade, Joshua Williamson, and Jeff Johns joining the celebration, as the Adams Run races to the finish line, get a prelude of the new Dawn of DC chapter of the Fastest Man Alive's adventures from the dream team of Seisprayer and Mike Dudata Jr. So yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be worth uh, that'll be worth a look, I would say.
0: I would say so. I mean, definitely getting uh, a sense of where the run's going to go. is certainly a writer whose work we very much enjoy, so it will be definitely interesting to see what he does with the Scarlet Speedster. Mike Deodato Jr., you know, he's been an industry legend, been around for years. I mean, I'm mostly familiar with his work recently. He seems to be the in-house artist for AWA titles. So it's actually interesting to see him actually back with DC a little there as well. So as Keith says, he had 100 oversized issues. So you can usually buy these issues and enjoy them as just a one-off. But at the same time, it's giving you that little taste of what's going to follow. And that also extends to the other big titles, certainly... With DC going with both of these on their cover this month, which is Wonder Woman 800 also, and same again oversized issue, which is going to launch into an all new era. Includes um, writers such as Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, arts from Joel Jones, Todd Noah, Todd Nowak. But what you've also got here is uh, a prelude to the next Wonder Woman storytelling creative team, and that's Tom Keane and Daniel Sampire. Now, Daniel Sampire was the artist on Crisis, or Crisis on Infinite Earths, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, recently, so, you know, knows his way around the DC universe. Tom Keane on this podcast needs no introduction. We're both fully paid up members of the Cult of Keane. Uh, Keith. Was, well, no. Keith was a later entry to it than myself, but I think Supergirl tipped him over the edge to it. So just wait, and then Human Target as well. So. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be again a, a one-off sort of oversized issue, but again, we'll sow, sow the seeds for what's following. So whatever happened to the Warrior of Truth concludes in a landmark 800th issue. Diana's visions become more vivid as she finds herself trapped in the dreams of those around her. As she struggles to escape her life as Wonder Woman hangs in the balance. When thus settles, will she still be the Amazon's greatest champion? Find out in this extra special celebration. And one thing I should mention that DC have made clear with both these issues, Flash 800 and Wonder Woman 800, is that they're finally finally going to do what marvel have been doing for years and throw legacy numbering on their covers so wonder woman's going to relaunch with a brand new number one from tom King, but it's also going to say legacy 801 it's it's the simplest thing in the world to do. Why it's taken them so it's long. Kind of a, yeah, no brainer. No yeah, brainer. Very much so. So, uh, yes, that's Wonder Woman 800. And then I'll just finish off on the single issue side of things with the DC book with DC Pride uh, 2023, number one. So, this is the, the yearly Pride celebration issue. It's going to be a 104 page one shot. And this has quite the creative team on it. Grant Morrison's writing a story for this. Uh, Nicole Maines, who's writing a story. Christopher Cantwell. Uh, you have art from the likes of Hayden Sherman. Uh, Paulina Ganchu, Steven Sadowowski, as well. So, tons of stuff here. You've got DC Pride is back again with a brave and bold, an all-new collection of stories starring DC favorite, fan favorite stable of LGBTQIA+ characters, many of whom will find themselves in thrilling team ups the likes of which you've never seen before. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy go to extreme measures to get alone time, but there's nowhere on the planet Crush can't crash. John Kent gets a comprehensive course in dark magic when John Constantine sticks a golem on him. Tim Drake and Connor Hawke learn that there's nothing more awkward than reunited with an old friend after you've both come out and one of you was indoctrinated by the League of Shadows. Circuit Breaker struggles to stifle his powers after the Flash of Earth 11 leaps out of the time stream and knocks them both into another dimension. Just how far would Flashlight go to honour his lost love? All these stories and many more in DC Pride 2023. And this year's anthology also includes an introduction by Phil Jimenez, a five-page preview of Dreamer's young adult debut written by Nicole Maines, and a parade of pinups by Babs Tarr, Maria Lovett, Brandon Stein, Noah Dow, Travis G. Moore, and more. And as well as that, you've got a DC Pride Through the Year special, which is going to show some classic stories from the past. And again, that is an 80-page one-shot as well. So that is going to do it for dc single issues just a couple of collections that caught our eye here uh, one from keith mm. and one from myself so why don't you lead the way
1: yeah i mean we've got the uh we've got the lazarus planet hardcover collection uh coming out new powers unleashed new heroes rise in this dcu spanning epic it was written by mark wade uh, philip kennedy johnson nicole mains leah williams greg pack and others and art by philip kennedy johnson's uh, the last god uh, partner, Ricardo Federici, Mike Perkins, Jack Herbert, Scott uh, Gudluski and Skylar Partridge and others. Um, I picked up the Alpha and the Omega issues of this. Um, and anyway, it's been it out of the pages of uh, Batman versus Robin, uh, an event that changes the DCU forever. Lazarus planet. The Lazarus volcano has erupted, releasing clouds of its unique lava into the atmosphere and causing bizarre and uh, dangerous rainstorms all over the world. Those who survive exposure to the storms are transformed. Those without superpowers gain powers. Uh, Those who had powers before, including some of the DC Universe's heaviest hitters, find their abilities amplified or changed in unexpected ways, or both. Uh, With Batman out of commission, it's up to Robin to assemble the world's greatest heroes to stop the storm and defeat the deadly villains who caused it. This was Lazarus Planet Alpha, Lazarus Planet uh, Assault on Krypton. Lazarus Planet once... We Once Were Gods, Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn, Lazarus Planet Next Evolution, Lazarus Planet Dark Fate, and Lazarus Planet Omega. I don't know if I'll get this in hardcover, but if it comes out, if and when it comes out in softcover, I'll probably I'll probably grab it just to, to to catch up on what I missed. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I did the same as you. I just read
0: Alpha and Omega. I didn't read the, the one shots in between, but I do know they introduced some of the, the new characters, certainly from... Uh, the DC line including City Boy and Vigil and stuff like that. So it might be worth uh, catching up on those as well. And then just for the omnibus uh, readers or collectors in the background as well. There were just two on the spotlight this month uh, that either I'll be picking up myself or it's a reprint of one I already have. The one I'll be picking up definitely is Detective Comics by Peter J. Tomasi. Anything Peter J. Tomasi does, I'm a big fan of. Green Lantern run was great. Uh, Superman run was great. He did Batman and Robin uh, with Patrick Gleason, And this Detective Comics run, it's not very highly heralded because it sort of comes in between a long run James Tinian did and then before Infinite Frontier where you had Mariko Tamaki and uh, Dan Mora take over. But this run that he did was actually re- like under, sort of under the radar brilliant. Uh, it covered a lot as well. It covered Detective Comics 994-999 plus 1,001 to, 1 to 1,016 1,018 to 1,033, Detective Comics 2 annuals, Batman Pennyworth RIP and a story from Detective 1,000 as well so writer PJ, Peter J. Tomasi's prolific Detectives run raised the stakes for the Dark Knight's adventures in Gotham City together with artists such as Doug Mankey Brad Walker, Kyle Hutz and others Tomasi crafted numerous iconic storylines such as mythology, medieval and cold dark world that pushed Batman and his rogues to the edge blurring the lines between heroes and villains so that is a massive 1016 pages of goodness there and then the other one is one that i've had in my collection for some time it's one of my favorite runs from the new 52 and that is the wonder woman by brian Azzarello and cliff chang omnibus so this covered 35 issues in uh, the new 52 uh, before i think it was meredith finch and david finch took over but this is a fantastic self-contained epic uh, i i collected this and read this in single issues as it came out at the time so writer bran Azzarello and artist cliff chang reimagining of one of comics most iconic characters wonder woman is collected here in a single volume this bold take on the amazonian warrior princess collects the full run from wonder woman 0 to 35 23.2 and a story from secret origin 6 as well as nearly 50 pages of character designs sketch material scripts and more so i highly recommend that that is something that is a run i absolutely love them for me Possibly one of the top five runs in the new 52. Uh, so that would be worth picking up as well. There ends DC. Let's hit that Marvel book up. Let's do it. So straight away, the, the front cover just catches the eye.
1: Oh, absolutely. It does. And this is one that uh, took me a little by surprise whenever I saw the book. I hadn't read anything about it, uh, well, especially because it's got uh, some of my favorite creators on it. You're excited about this one as well because you've recently... Uh, got your nose into the ultimate Spider-Man stuff. Um, but Jonathan Hickman, uh, he of House and Powers of X uh, decorum, uh, the, uh, the the thinking man's uh, comic writer and uh, the previously mentioned Brian Hitch, uh, who is an arts and cover uh, are uh, heralding the transformation of the Marvel universe uh, and the return of the ultimate universe and, um, the Illuminati must form once again to stop the maker, that is the Ultimate Universe, Reed Richards, from his plans to destroy or perhaps rebuild the universe, with Miles Morales at the centre of it all. Brian's work on the Ultimates helped redefine superhero comics for the 2000s. Wait until you see what he and Jonathan have in store for this decade. Including new data pages by Jonathan Hickman, yay! Plus exclusive behind-the-scenes material on the world building, yay! That has gone into this project. It's a lot of yes. Um A lot of yes. Uh The the Brian Hitch cover looks phenomenal. Uh, there's also a full uh, a foil variant cover um, by Brian Hitch as well. There's some Peach Momuga covers, Ed McGuinness cover, Ron Limb color, Sarah Pacelli cover, Russell Dodderman cover. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. This is a big boy. It's 56 pages, uh, and it is one of four. Uh, and it's uh, I think it's coming in at the uh, the eight dollars ninety nine price point. Uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, as
0: you say, I mean, my timing's kind of good on this. I've just uh, not long finished the first two omnibus volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man. That's brought me up into like the issue 70-ish range of that. <coughs> I've recently picked up the Ultimates omnibus. I've picked up Ultimate X-Men. So I'm I'm dipping my toe quite a lot into the Ultimate Universe, so the timing in this is good. I mean, the maker,
1: I mean, he was utilized in Marvel Universe not that long ago, sure wasn't, wasn't he, and Donny Kid's <laughs> Venom? He was. He appeared in Venom, and I think he appeared in Miles Morales. And at the end of that Venom run, he was the he was the it was it was him that caused Eddie to be transported to the other universe where his wife was alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember all of that? But but the Maker himself uh, returned, I think, to the broken Ultimate Universe that was that was uh, left behind whenever you know at the end of uh, Hickman's Secret Wars when when the universes all crashed together. And the last two universes left were the six one six universe and the ultimate universe. Uh, that uh, so so in the, in the, and then and they, they collided together. Uh, Miles Morales and uh, I think maybe a number of other ultimate heroes transferred over to our universe with their with their backstories, their histories completely intact. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, we saw a little bit of it maybe through. Miles Morales and the, the Spider-Man crossover. So, uh, yeah, really excited about this. Really excited about this and, and what it might hold. And, uh, I mean, Jonathan Hickman loves his universes.
0: That is a man who loves world building. And if you're not as intelligent as he is, loves his data pages as well. Just to <laughs> keep you on the right side. But, yeah, no, I agree. This, this sort of came out of nowhere. It wasn't... DC and Marvel... I know obviously this is two months in advance here, but usually when there's big events like this, they maybe announce them five, six months in advance to, or they at least tease it at the very least, you know, with in house ads and stuff like that. But this just sort of appeared out of nowhere. It's, I suppose it answered the question of why Brian Hitch was leaving Venom. Obviously, it's Cat yeah, food taking over. Yeah, there, and, and it's, uh,
1: you know, it's, it's funny because they released these. You remember they released it the, earlier on in the year, they released almost like a, a movie style lineup of what was coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, this wasn't on it.
0: No, it wasn't. So, no. but uh, no, I'll I'll definitely be jumping on this. As I say, it's the timing is is good for me, and it'll just maybe further speed up my reading of those uh, Ultimate yeah. Universe omnibuses.
1: I would I would suggest uh, either digging into uh, some Ultimate Fantastic Four or uh, having a wee having a wee read about how Ultimate Reed Richards became the maker. Fair enough. Fair enough. worth uh worth having a look that might be a good uh, a good a good lead in um another number one uh that is kicking off in june from marvel is uh philip kennedy johnson and nick Klein's incredible hulk number one again whole wreck of variant covers here jim chung scotty young herb trim dave marquez uh stormbreaker uh jan bazaldua uh, patrick gleason variant covered by george perez um The age of monsters has begun. An enraged Hulk tries to take control of Bruce Bruce Banner's body. Say that three times fast. Permanently. Uh, A mysterious immortal turns every monster in the Marvel Universe against Banner in an attempt to free their creator, the primordial mother of horrors. With the help of an unlikely new friend, Banner and Hulk must try to stop the world from getting plunged into darkness in this terrifying new series. Sounds interesting. Sounds like it's got a, a sniff of the Immortal Hulk about it. Uh, it also maybe draws on uh, the, the, the the maybe some of the themes of of uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's aforementioned the Last God, uh, which was which was great. You know that sort of uh, Lovecraftian horror. Um, so yeah, interesting. Really interested in in what this is going to look like.
0: I'll be honest, I, I think this was kind of inevitable for Marvel at the moment because, I, I mean, as ever, I can only speak from my own store's perspective, but when Hulk kicked off with Donny Cates, the numbers were really high and that book has just steadily, steadily, steadily lost readership. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I would say we, when that kicked off, we maybe had about 40 people on it and now there's about 11 or 12 and for such mm-hmm. a short run, I think just it was so high concept that just I don't think people necessarily enjoyed it. Also he was on a full errand because after following up the amazing Immortal Hulk, it was gonna be mm-hmm. hard to, you know, reach those standards. But I'm not too surprised that Marvel went back to number one on a Hulk title and that's a heck of a creative team. I've loved Nick Klein's work on Thor and yeah. uh and PKJ, you know, nearly anything he puts out at the oh, moment is absolutely. worth following.
1: Total legend. <clears throat> um yeah, so I think we're both uh, I think we're both on uh, on that one for the for the first issue at least, Definitely. probably a little longer. Um, Black Panther is getting a relaunch. Uh, Black Panther number one from Eve L. Ewing and Chris Allen with cover by uh, Torrin Clark. Um, And uh, again, a reg of of, uh, variant covers. Uh, A king without a crown banished from the throne and a fugitive in his own homelands, I'd imagine from as a result of the previous series, uh, the John Ridley series. Uh, T'Challa still can't leave Wakanda without its uh, without its sworn protector. A king without a crown, he finds a new purpose lurking at the streets and shadows of the Wakandan city that bears his father's name, Vernon T'Chaka. New direction, new villains, new creative team get in on the ground floor of Marvel's next smash hit. Um, and the last uh, number one ongoing, sorry, I'm talking a lot here, Alan, um, but the uh, the last number one uh, ongoing uh, mostly interests me because it's from the writer of the recent Sword of Azrael from DC, which was absolutely fantastic. This is Loki, number one of four, from Dan Waters and uh, German Peralta, uh, with a cover by a lovely looking cover by Dustin Union. Uh, there is a variant cover by Frank Miller um, and, and a few others that are that are worth mentioning. Uh, Loki saves the Marvel Universe? Question mark. Um, he may be the benevolent god of stories uh, such as Kieran Gillen made him uh, but Loki's past as the god of lies returns to haunt him when ancient powerful weapons he once built end up scattered across the ten realms Loki must track down these weapons before they fall into the wrong hands and bring about Ragnarok, special guest stars exciting new characters, startling twists await in this all new miniseries by rising stars Dan Waters and uh, Germ- Germán Peralta who was the, the <clears throat> The artist on Black Panther, so uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool there. Me, um, yeah, it, I... it would appear the White Noise Collective are secretly
0: taking over Marvel at the moment. You know, you've had Ram working there. You've got Alex Paknadel taking over Carnage and doing Red Goblin. You've now got Dan Waters doing a title with doing Loki. I mean, they, they, these these British boys are moving in.
1: Yeah, yes, not a not a bad thing. The the the, the British takeover, as they say, the British invasion, isn't that right? Uh, in music back in the day, so uh, it's the same in comics. Um, I mentioned Captain Marvel number 50 because I've been on the last few issues of Captain Marvel um, just because they're, they're sort of crossing over with, with X-Men and I'm quite enjoying it, so I might stick on for issue 50, which was the, the final issue of Kelly Thompson's uh, historic run on Captain Marvel. Kelly Thompson is writing Avi Arpina and more on art and a cover by Carmen uh, Carnero. Uh, It's been an impossible journey, one that's taken Carl Danvers across time and space and pitted her against enemies, new and old. Superstar writer Kelly Thompson has run Marvel's premier heroine through the gauntlet, and now the boss uh, of space burns brighter than ever. No one believed she would get this far, but it's the power of Captain Marvel and her Carl corpse. They will never give up higher, further, faster to the very end. Do not miss this capstone to a record-breaking run as Thompson puts her final fingerprints on Earth's mightiest hero.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not a run I've read any of. I really did enjoy it. It came out recently in omnibus form. I really enjoyed the Captain Marvel uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick run. Uh, that was one I was I was reading at the time, but I just never jumped on this one at the time.
1: Yes, that's right. And then uh, last thing for now from me, an odd one perhaps, uh, but it's got me it's got me interested because it's the prelude to something. It's the Scarlet Witch Annual number one. It's an odd one because it's written by Steve Orlando, and I, I just don't know where I stand with Steve Orlando at all. Uh, he's, uh, he's written some stuff that... Come back to you after Spider-Man
0: 2099.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Steve Orlando in this, he's on the, he's on the Scarlet Witch uh, series, which I'm not on. Carlos San Nieto is the art in this, and the cover by uh, Russell Dotterman. Uh The reason it interests me is because it is the prelude to Contest of Chaos, which sounds kind of Interesting. When a newly rejuvenated Agatha Harkness learns of the Scarlet Witch's recent absorption of C'thon, who is an elder god, she decides to educate her former student on the dangers of such an endeavour. But Wanda is not the meek pupil she once was, and Agatha's intentions are not so straightforward. This epic clash between Marvel's most powerful witches sets off a chain of a chain reaction that will affect the course of Marvel's summer. So one-shot, it's 40 pages. I'm interested to see where it goes, so I, I, might, I might pick it up because... For exactly that reason.
0: Well, as you say, I mean, it's as I was talking about how there was not a lot, an awful lot of lead-in to Ultimate Invasion. This is normally what I mean. You know, you've got a a preview, sort of taster poster there. Chaos is coming contest of chaos you know art by brian hitch that shows the marvel universe basically fighting amongst themselves you've got a prelude uh annual issue setting up where it's going so a little bit more of a forewarning with this one anyway but as you said those seem to be setting up what will be the marvel summer event uh, moving away from there just a couple from myself first of all a couple of big facsimiles hitting this month uh hitting the month of june uh, around amazing spider-man they're very historic issues for for different reasons there are issues that if you go back and try and just source the originals, you're probably going to pay a decent chunk of change for them. Uh, so this is the Amazing Spider-Man era when it was being written by Jerry Conway, it was being penciled by Gil Kane, and John Romita Sr. was on covers. And the two facsimiles this month are Amazing Spider-Man number 121 and then 122. 121 is, uh, it has this great cover. Uh, it's called Turning Point, And it's basically talking about how someone on this cover is going to die. Uh, and uh, it's a pretty big death to say the least so uh, solicitation leads with the night Gwen Stacy died spoilers I just told you it was oh well Uh, in 1973 Spider-Man fans the world over were shocked by a story that had previously been unthinkable to strike at the heart of Peter Parker the Green Goblin kidnaps the woman he loves Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man faces a race against time as he swings to the rescue readers were used to Spidey saving the den as the Goblin sends Gwen plummeting from a bridge our hero believes he has done it again firing out a webline that breaks her fall when Peter holds Gwen in his arms, the heartbreaking truth is revealed, and comic books are changed forever. Would you like to take a moment, Keith?
1: Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how, how could you not? How
0: could you not? It's a masterpiece of storytelling from Jerry Common, and Gil Kane, and one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, boldly reprinted in its original form, ads and all. So, again, facsimile edition, perfect reprint, down to the fact that it will... Um, reprint the adverts that were in the original issue as well. But as I say, not only are you getting that for one two one, but you're getting Peter's Revenge, if you will, which is the next issue one two two. So the Goblin's last stand Devastated by the tragic death of Gwen Stacy, a fighting mad Spider-Man swears deadly revenge on his greatest enemy, Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin. What follows is an action-packed showdown between two of the greatest adversaries in all of fiction. As a volatile Peter Parker tracks his hated foe to one of Osborn's warehouses, the stage is set for an unforgettable battle. Will Spider-Man give in to his rage and take the life of the man who killed the woman he loves? Or even at his most grief-stricken, can he hold himself back from becoming a murderer? And whatever Peter's choice, what difference will it make to the Green Goblin's fate? It's one of the all time great Marvel comic books, bully represented in its original form. So, yeah, some classic, classic era Spidey stuff there. I mean, you can see some of the movies that have been adapted in the last sort of 10, 20 years taken very heavily from these books as well. So, definitely worth picking those up. And they almost come from an era of comics where there was a lot more one and done storytelling, you know, in, in single issues you know it was always part of a larger narrative but every issue sort of had a beginning a middle and an end uh and it's definitely worth going back to that classic era um have you read these i have read those they are as good as i say they are <laughs> okay <laughs> uh yeah good no stuff. i've i've read a, a few different sort of classic collection spidey stuff uh i've went back to admittedly they're a heck of a lot better than Amazing spider-man number one which is just terrible <laughs> How am I gonna make money? I know the Fantastic Four—they're superheroes. They must get paid. I'll go and hang out with them. What? You guys don't get paid? This is nonsense. Yeah, um,
1: it was a simpler time. It was, it was a simpler, simpler
0: time. time. It was a, and it, and in fairness, it birthed the universe, so I should not, uh, I should not be so, uh, so harsh on it, but. The other two main things I wanted to throw out there are Daredevil related as anybody who knows me Daredevil is my favorite Marvel character and there's a couple of great additions. Now they are early solicits they're in the April book uh, one is due out in November and the other one is also due out in November so November's a good month for those Daredevil fans or if you have a special person in your life and you want them to buy you good Christmas presents. This is what you should be going for. So the first one is the Jeff Loeb and Tim Seale Daredevil Yellow Gallery Edition. So this was in a, in a time where Jeff Loeb and Tim Seal, who are very, very well known, certainly to DC fans, for the long Halloween, Haunted Night, etc., etc., um, Dark Victory. They did a, a ton of great Marvel work together. You know, Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Grey, Captain America White. Uh, they did great stuff based around colour. And for Daredevil, it was Daredevil Yellow. So, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale bring their signature style to Marvel's Man without fear. Focusing on the events leading up to his costume debut, Daredevil Yellow presents a Matt Murdock full of youthful exuberance and unyielding optimism. After the death of his father, battling Jack Murdock, Matt dedicates his life to eradicating crime from the streets of Hell's Kitchen. Witness the birth of Daredevil as a young Murdock trains his body and mind to become a hero. Featuring the Fantastic Four, Electro, the Owl and the Purple Man... But rather than Dee Dee's adventures in his original suit, it's the saga, it's the maturation of Matt as a person and his growing love for Karen Page that take the spotlight. And Seal's breathtaking art looks better than ever in this Gallery Edition. So Gallery Edition is oversized, bigger than a normal um, issue would be. If you've been in the store, you'll know what Gallery Size is. We've had a few books through there. Things like Demon Wars, um, things like The History of the Marvel Universe. So that's a, a $50, 168 pager. But... If you can only afford one thing from the Marvel book this month. <laughs> Ignore Ultimate Evasion. Ignore Incredible Hulk. Ignore Loki. This is what you want. The best, in my opinion. Run of Daredevil. Yes, this,
1: uh, this, this, this is the one, of course, that whenever I was in the story earlier on flicking through the, the preview book, he kept having to pet. Yeah.
0: yeah but yeah. not only that, it's great to see A, this being reprinted because it's been hard to find for a while. B, it's nice to see a nice expensive Omni that I don't need to buy because I already own it in both single-issue form and an omnibus form, no less. But yeah, I know they're...
1: Sorry, go ahead. Put these fine people out of their misery, would you? I
0: will indeed. It's the Daredevil by Mark Waid, Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover. So there's two volumes of the Mark Waid Daredevil run. And again, this, this was my era of getting into Marvel Comics. I mentioned earlier Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel. It was Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. It was G. Willow Wilson's Miss Marvel. And it was Mark Waid's Daredevil. Kicks things off uh, being co-written by Greg Rucca as well. Uh was penciled at the start by Paolo Rivera and Marcos Martin. But what you'll see towards the end of Volume 1 is Chris Samney start to take over. And then Chris Samney is pretty much the main artist in the second volume. So, as I say, th- this is my personal favourite uh, era of Daredevil. So, uh, Volume 1, The Devil is Reborn and His Adventures Will Leave You Gasping For air. The Man Without Fear visits his unique blend of blind justice on Claw, the Mega Crime Cartel and the Mole Man. While a hotly contested battle to secure the Omega Drive will require Daredevil to team up with Spider-Man. And not one, but two Punishers. But as size-changing scientist Hank Pym enters Matt Murdock's head to destroy nanobots implanted by Doctor Doom, will saving Daredevil's brain costs Matt his mind. Ghosts from the past haunt Daredevil while Matt faces a life-or-death drama of his own. With new enemies, new friends and a grinning-in-the-face-of-all-hell attitude, Mark Waid delivers an Eisner Award-winning run like no other. Collecting Daredevil 2011, 1 to 27, and 10.1, plus Amazing Spider-Man 677, Avenging Spider-Man 6, and Punisher number 10. 720 pages, $100, best money you will ever spend on a Marvel product, in my opinion. And breathe. So anyway, that is uh from me for now. <laughs> Why don't you take over while I re-catch my breath there? I think there's a couple of trades to cut you at right this month.
1: Well, oh, I don't know. I sort of have to have to recover from that grand statement about the best money that you'll ever spend on a on a Marvel product. Now I'm not saying I'm disagreeing with you. I'm just uh, I'm just saying big words, big words. I stand by every one of them. <laughs> very well, sir. Very well. Um, yeah, a couple of a couple of uh, couple of, uh of trades that uh, that are worth pointing out, I think, from myself on the on the Marvel end. We have the Avengers Assemble trade paperback uh, written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Brian Hitch, Avier Goron, Aaron Cooter, Jim Toe, uh, Ivan Fiorelli, and more, and a cover by Brian Hitch. This, of course, comes off the back of Jason Aaron's uh, recently completed fantastic run on the Avengers. It is the biggest Avengers saga in Marvel history. Jason Aaron assembles the mightiest heroes of Earth, the multiverse, and one million BCE in the capstone to his incredible era of Avengers. From throughout time and across reality, they will unite on a day like no other to face a battle beyond all imagining. A war that will take us from the prehistoric beginnings of a planet under assault by the greatest villains who've ever lived to the watchtower that stands at the heart of the all and the always where an army of unprecedented evil now rises, including Doom Supreme, his multiversal masters of Evils, evil, and a nigh-infinite army of Mephistos. But who is Avenger Prime? This collects Avengers Assemble Alpha, uh, the four issues of uh, Jason Aaron's recent Avengers run, 63 to 66, four issues of his recent Avengers Forever run, issues 12 to 15, and Avengers Assemble Omega. It's a 280-page bad boy. It's a trim size coming in at 30 dollars uh you didn't pick this up did you
0: no i i tried getting into jason Aaron's avengers run at the start but i sort of fell off it along the way but uh i know you've had lots of kind words to say it was a little uneven in places maybe or uh,
1: it started a wee bit slower but it really it really ramped up to this uh to this fantastic conclusion so um this is one that i would i would highly recommend uh picking up if you didn't uh if you didn't get a chance to uh if you didn't get a chance to see it mm-hmm. you know if you didn't uh, didn't look at it the next uh trade uh, is one that I would highly highly recommend you would pick up because uh this was one of the first this was the first uh series that I ever uh, collected to completion the entire run uh this is the the beginning of the Thunderbolts epic collection the justice like lightning trade paperback uh so the, the epic collections are obviously the the long-running Marvel uh, collections that collect um, in, you know, 500-page volumes, uh, entire, you know, in, in series, entire runs in order of, uh, of, of 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 certain series. So this is uh, Thunderbolts was written by uh, Kurt Busseck, Roger Stern, Peter David, and John Ostrander, penciled by Mark Bagley, Steve Epting, Jeff Johnson, Mike Doudatta Jr., Sal Buscema, Pasqua Ferry, and more, and there's a lovely Mark Bagley cover on this. The greatest trick ever pulled and i gotta say this 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 was possibly the greatest trick ever pulled in comics and we'll never see its likes again because this was pulled before the internet uh and uh just to to be able to go back and to be able to send you back to read that first issue not knowing what was coming at the end uh would be absolutely fabulous so if you didn't read thunderbolts if you didn't have the chance to read thunderbolts whenever it first came out in 1997 then I would highly recommend uh, getting this puppy on your pull list. The greatest trick ever pulled with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four believed dead. A new team of heroes rises to take their place, but the Thunderbolts hide a sinister secret. They're villains in disguise. What are Baron Zemo and his masters of evil really up to? What happens when some members begin to doubt their plan? and when the enthusiastic Jolt joins their ranks, how long can their secrets stay hidden? The T-Bolts battle the Hulk, deal with the suspicious Black Widow, and tackle float foes, including the Mad Thinker and the Elements of Doom. But when the Avengers and the Fantastic Four return, the full scale of Zemo's plot is revealed. This uh, particular volume collects Thunderbolts ninety from 1997, Issue uh, 1 through 12, the 1997 Annual. Uh, Thunderbolts' uh, Distant Rumblings, uh, Thunderbolts' minus The Minus One Issue, Uh, Incredible Hulk number six, Incredible Hulk number four four nine, Spider Man team up number seven, Heroes for Hire number seven, and material from the tales of the Marvel Universe uh, trade um, uh, story. It was was like a a softback, uh, sort of thick bound, square bound book, five hundred and twenty pages coming in at the fifty dollar mark. Just, just take my word. Just do yourself a favor and, and 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 pick up this. This first volume, and if you're not into it, just don't know what's wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, what are you doing
0: with your life right now in this part? <laughs> See,
1: it's just it's uh, it's just the case. This is this is honestly one of my favorite runs in comic book history. Would you say that, in
0: your opinion, this is some of the best Marvel your money can buy?
1: Would um, you make such a statement? It's certainly some of the best stuff my money has bought. <laughs> Uh, but I haven't read some of the other stuff we've talked about in this particular uh, issue of Previews, so I couldn't possibly say.
0: That is more than fair. That is more than fair. I actually have the first omnibus of Thunderbolts. I think it covers the first 42 issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are thereabouts, so uh, I'll be tearing into that at some point soon, probably after I go through the Ultimate stuff. So uh, I will definitely keep in mind. I think I picked it up based on your recommendation before, so uh, I'll definitely tear into that at some point. Uh, Perfect. But another thing I jumped into half from your recommendation, half because it's just seen as one of the most esteemed running comics is uh the Ed brubaker run on Captain America. Now again I've been collecting and reading this in omnibus form. Uh there's three omnibuses in total so far, but there's five in total for the complete Ed Brubaker run. So uh volume four is getting a reprinting, it's coming up soon, but this month sees the um volume five being reprinting reprinted, sorry, and this is Captain America Return of the Winter Soldier Omnibus. So again, it's Brute Baker here. He's joined by artists such as Chris Samney, Francesco Francavilla, uh Butch Geis, Michael Lark, uh, and Steve Epton. So Ed Brubaker's award-winning run concludes as Captain America's staunch ally Bucky, James Buchanan Barnes, one of America's greatest heroes of World War Two. Until he was brainwashed into becoming the Soviet spy known as the Winter Soldier. Now in the aftermath of fear itself, James is the Winter Soldier once again. When Russian sleeper agents awaken and old enemies resurface with new identities, Winter Soldier and Black Widow clash with Doctor Doom and James must save the Widow from her own past. But even with help from Wolverine and Hawkeye, must Bucky sacrifice everything to save his love? Meanwhile, Captain America takes on Scourge and the Discordians, while a deadly villain from the past reveals a mystery spanning generations of heroes. So this collects Captain America and Bucky, 620-628. Fear itself, 7.1. Captain America Winter Soldier, 1-14. Uh, Captain America 11-19, and Fear Itself, Book of the Skull. So, as I say, that's the fifth volume in the Ed Brubaker Omnis. I did recently just get the first volume back into the store, so it's over in the omnibus section. If you fancy kicking off one of the best runs, certainly I would uh, say in Marvel's history, and just in comics history in general. And then one last one I wanted to mention. uh, This was a very last-minute addition to our, our notes for this, but the reason for this is because... This is actually one that's aimed at a younger age range, but I have seen so many creators in the last week talk about how this is one of the greatest Thor stories of all time. It's called Thor the Mighty Avenger. It's a graphic novel trade paperback written by Roger Langridge with uh, art by Chris Samney. So Chris Samney already has my vote right there. So again, I've seen so many creators retweet this and so forth, so I'm definitely going to order a good chunk of these in. It's Thor as you've never seen him before. Eisner and Harvey Award-nominated writer Roger Langridge and artist Chris Samney reimagine the God of Thunder. Thrill as Thor faces the mischievous machinations of his adopted brother Loki, battles raging robots the size of cities and fights side by side with Iron Man for the first time. Gasp as he tames the mightiest sea creatures and tests his might against the submariner. Swoon as he rescues damsels in distress from the vilest villains and chuckle as the son of Odin finds his way in a strange world with Jane Foster as his guide. Featuring the Warriors 3 and the fearsome Fin Fang Foom, See how quickly I said that again, uh, and chuckle as the son of Odin finds his way in a strange world. Uh, plus Loki's machinations throw Thor and a World War II era Captain America in the King Arthur's court in a time-twisting tale of Camelot craziness. Oh, the alliteration! Uh, collecting Thor, the Mighty Avenger, one, the eight, and the free Comic Book Day 2011 Thor Mighty Avenger. So it's 216 pages, $14 price point. It does say ages 10 to 14, but from what I understand, this is just a great all-ages Thor tale. And that uh, might definitely be worth picking up.
1: And uh, with that uh, alliteration, finishing off your, uh, your pick in the book, uh, Stan the Man would be proud of you, for sure.
0: I think so. I think so. But uh, just remember, if you take one thing from all of that, it's that you should pick up the Mark Wade, uh, Daredevil omnibus.
1: <laughs> no competition. Okay. Work away
0: so as I say that is the Marvel book again there's tons more in there tons of great stuff ongoing and stuff like that as well but we'll be here all night if we continue going through the book so as I say check out the Newsorama uh, article of it pop in the store have a flick through it as well but those are definitely the the biggest titles that we could see that we wanted to, uh, to showcase so move away from that and finish off as we always do with the indie book so as ever nice big chunky book tons of stuff from Image from Boom from uh, from awa from idw all sorts of stuff here but we begin as we always do with image and something that is a gem of the month so why don't you take it away
1: this gem of the month is in hell we fight number one the beginning of a new ongoing arriving the 7th of june uh from two creator john layman uh, who say what sold sold exactly um uh if you haven't read uh read two you should uh, and if you haven't heard our interview with John Lehman, uh, you should go back and listen to that as well. Uh, it's a series premiere. It says, life in hell ain't easy. Demons who try to torture you for all eternity. Monsters want to eat you. And there's a stunning lack of reliable indoor plumbing. And it's almost impossible to get ice cream, uh, at least until today, when three condemned teens and their annoying tag-along demon frenemy embark on a daring scheme to hijack a demon lord's delivery truck. What happens next will take them on an epic journey across the underworld an Infernal Excursion of Non-Stop Excitement, Danger and Adventure. Presented in a devilishly new fun series, presenting a devilishly new fun series from multiple Eisner award-winning writer-letter John Lehman to Suicide Squad, Kill Organ Asylum, and Argentinian superstar artist, Jock. Uh, I noticed there's also a cover B from uh, our friend uh, Christian Ward. Uh, and you can hear his interview uh, further down the track uh, as well, if you would like. Uh, I thought this was hilarious when I was reading this, Alan, because... While I don't have the previews book in front of me, uh, you know how uh, you know how in the, in the previews book it says uh, for fans of or people who like this will like mm. this. <laughs> this had something like uh, people who enjoyed the uh, the fun drama of uh, Eight Billion Genies uh, and the, the world building of Chew. Just said all the right words. I was like, "What? Okay, sold." So... Yeah, I can
0: see it here in front of me. It has the words "world building," "adventure seeking." Storytelling sharpness, 8 billion genies in Chew. So yeah, I can see why you dumb. were so uh why you were so enamoured with that. And it's interesting as well because obviously image always put them in order of maybe the ones that they want you to be looking at first. You know, they, they put them in a specific order for what is your biggest title of the month and stuff like that. And image have actually put that ahead of a new Robert Kirkman title.
1: I know. And that new Robert Kirkman title, not just a new Robert Kirkman title, but a new title from the Oblivion Song team of Robert Kirkman and Lorenzo De Felici. Um, And they are debuting the biggest new comic book series of 2023 with the launch of an all-new shared universe and a surprise you won't see coming with Void Rivals, number one, launching on June 14th. War rages around the sacred ring where the last remnants of two worlds have collapsed around a black hole in a never-ending war. Uh, however, when pilot Darak and his rival Solila both crash on a desolate planet, these two enemies must find a way to escape together. But uh, are they alone on this strange planet? And what dark forces are, are, are mm-hmm. await to threaten the entire universe? Um, that, that description sounds a little like the Dennis Quaid, uh, Lou Gossett Jr. classic uh, enemy mine, but uh, which would which would only do more for me. But uh, but yeah, we've got uh, we've got um, this looks fantastic um cover is also by lorenzo de felici uh, and uh, again this uh this is for fans of saga and star wars
0: yeah they always put themselves uh, on a pedestal when they say it's for fans of something like saga i mean it, it just raises expectations i mean star wars take it or leave it whatever but um saga now we're talking big epic space drama you know <laughs> or as i was <laughs> described as star wars for adults so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, great to see Kirkman back with a new series. I mean, obviously, Oblivion Song came to an end. Uh, Firepower, as far as I'm aware, is still going. It's on a break at the moment. Uh, Die, Die, Die hasn't been back for quite some time. So it, it's nice to see Kirkman back with a new title. And again, totally different to what he's done before, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, totally different genre and so forth. So I wonder if this is, his, uh, this is his segue into something like Transformers, you know, doing sci-fi and stuff like that, because there's a lot of rumours the Transformers license is going to end up at Image because Kirkman's a huge fan. And I would read the heck out of that. (laughs) So moving on from there, the next one definitely caught my eye. This is part of a horror series, which I'm really enjoying. It's under the banner of Bone Orchard. So Bone Orchard so far has been a a combination of a hardcover, which was called The Passageway. It's had some single issue series and now it's got another single issue series coming, which is um, Tenement and there's going to be a 10-issue miniseries, so this is issue one. Story by Jeff Lamar and art by Andrea Sorrentino. So the the same team the whole way through. These guys did Gideon Falls together as well. Should say as well, actually, the first rake of announcements dropped today for Thought Bubble uh, this year. And Jeff Lamar is one of the announcements for that. So I will very much look forward to uh, meeting him in November when we go over. Did I see Lehman on that list as well? Uh, possibly the the three that stood out to me were Christian Moore, Jeff Lemire and Zoe Thorogood but I might have missed John Lehman but I would certainly very much like that obviously when we interviewed him he was just so cool so mm-hmm. and Chu being a, a personal favourite
1: yeah could be wrong could be wrong but uh, anyway but yeah, Please as continue. I say,
0: this, this falls under the Bone Orchard uh, banner, anyway, as I say. Uh, and with this one, ten 10-issue miniseries from Eisner award-winning creative team, but behind Gideon Falls, Primordial, and 10,000 Black Feathers comes the biggest and most essential project yet in the bold and ambitious new shared horror universe of the Bone Orchard mythos. In this extra-length first issue, uh, they bring you the story of seven residents in a building and the dark secrets that bind them together, beginning with a death that feels more sinister than natural. Tenement is the newest entry into this. This universe features self-contained graphic novels and limited series about the horrors waiting to be discovered within the Bone Orchard. They describe this as Dario Argento's Inferno meets Rosemary's Baby in this claustrophobic tale of terror perfect for fans of atmospheric horror. And again, I just love the art style in this. Uh, they, They knocked it out of the park the whole way through Gideon Falls. Have you read In fault? I'm not actually sure.
1: I have the hardback here. It is sitting by my bed. It is somewhere in that pile along with American Vampire uh, two uh, Ultimate Spider-Man compendiums and uh, something else. So I will get You're to it. you
0: slacking, Miller. You're slacking. Jesus. <laughs> Um, but one last thing to finish off with image i'll I'll certainly let you chat a little bit about it but i just wanted to pre-format it with uh so it's 20 year anniversary of invincible and image have been celebrating in multiple ways this year and one of the things they're doing is they're going to start doing new editions of the trade paperbacks now the one thing i have to warn you with this because it's kind of hidden a little bit in the solicitation but it says all new six by nine format this basically means it's a small book so if you think of the Mighty Marvel Masterworks, six inches by nine inches, these are much smaller than your traditional trade paperback. Now, this really surprises me because usually the the reasoning for doing a book of that size is for it to uh, appeal to younger readers because, you know, smaller hands, easier to hold, that kind of thing. Invincible is as far away from a kid-friendly <laughs> book as you can get. So I don't quite get the pocket size format of it. Also, it's a beautiful book with tons of detail and... Yeah, anyway, I find that a bit of a strange one. But anyway, they Aye, are going to be released that's, in a new rake.
1: That's a, that's, a, that's a bit odd. I was sort of envisioning it as the same size as the Invincible Compendiums. No, unfortunately
0: not. Unfortunately not. Uh, but there is right. something coming out that is the same size as the three Invincible Compendiums.
1: Yes, there is indeed. And that is the Invincible Universe Compendium Volume 1, uh, which uh, is by Robert Kirkman, of course. Uh, Benito Serino and Phil Hester are on this. Now, you will recall uh, that uh, that we are at that, uh, as uh, Alan said, that uh, that birthday time for possibly the best superhero series ever written. Uh, and uh, this is the best superhero universe series in the universe. Uh, by now, everyone in the world knows Invincible, but what about the rest of the Invincible universe's heroes and villains? Adam Eve, Splode, Brit, Best Tiger, this collection reveals the secret history of Invincible's closest allies, as well as the formation of the brand new Gar- Guardians of the Globe team to fight the largest gathering of supervillains ever, the Order. This collects Invincible Presents, uh, Adam Eve, number 1 and 2. Invincible Presents, Adam Eve and Rexplode, numbers 1, 2 and 3. Guarding the Globe, volume 1, numbers 1 to 6. Guarding the Globe, volume 2, numbers 1 to 6. And Invincible Universe, numbers 1 to 12. So this is a this is a, a a chunky boy, and uh, I think there may be a couple of volumes of this. Uh, this one is going to be released on the 13th of June, and it was going to look fantastic next to uh, next to my three Invincible Compendiums.
0: This is the thing; it's going to look glorious next to your nice soft cover Invincible Compendiums, but it's going to look small next to my beautiful Invincible hardcover Compendiums, which are a bigger size. <laughs> <sighs> I tell you, I tell you. But yeah, I mean I'll I'll definitely look into that. I mean I I dug the hell out of Invincible. You know, Keith was kind enough to lend me his three compendiums. I always like to contribute to stories I really enjoy, hence why I'm not collecting it myself, even though I've read it. But I've never read the uh the extended universe stuff, so to speak, so I'll definitely pick this up myself as well. So we move away from Image Comics and on to AWA Studios and a brand new title there, which is a new five issue mini series written by Ed Brisson and illustrated by cp smith so crime noir and supernatural horror collide in this gritty heist gone wrong thriller by ed brisson who's well known of course for tons of stuff but they showcase uh old man logan here personally i'd say ghostwriter uh mm-hmm. and cp smith who was an artist on wolverine so wyatt a professional thief living off the grid is recruited by his brother for one last job their target an armored car traveling down a desolate stretch of california highway When it turns out that their target is carrying not gold bars, but human cargo, Wyatt is plunged into a conflict between warring factions of a doomsday cult the cult claims that it is their solemn duty to save the world by means of human sacrifice will wyatt protect the boy who he has come into his charge or will he be swayed by the cult's increasingly convincing claims that the end of the world is fast approaching so sins of the sultan c five issue miniseries awa studios cut there's a really really beautiful like the movie geek in me is screaming right now because there's this absolutely beautiful saul bass homage cover done by chris ferguson and cp smith saul bass was uh, responsible for some of the best movie posters in the history of cinema. Uh, he did a ton of stuff with Hitchcock, as an example, uh, things like Vertigo. Um, but yeah, his style is very, very distinctive. You would you would recognize it the second you saw it. So uh, okay. yeah, Sins of the Sea,
1: AWA Studios. Uh, right. What have we
0: got up next?
1: Uh, so we're swinging on to uh, to Boom, if that's all right with you. By all means. Um, um, just highlighting the beginning of the second arc of Jason Aaron's Fantastic. Once upon a time, at the end of the world, uh, and that second arc is starting with issue six. Um, at that point, you'll be able to get a, a hold of the uh, of the the volume one trade paperback, which uh, which is going to have the first uh, the first arc in it. Uh, and I highly recommend doing so. That's released on the that's released volume one's released on the same day as number six. So uh, Jason Aaron on writing, uh, Leila de del, del Duca on uh, on art. Mezzi and Maceo have found the uh, unimaginable—a secluded suburban community, well preserved and filled with everything they would need to survive until adulthood. As adults, however, the highest have of highs, the highest highs of romance and contentment, are shadowed by dysfunction. Just as their quaint community is surrounded by the ever-present horrors of the wasteland, how long can their little piece of paradise last? So we're obviously going to see a bit of a time jump for uh, for Mezzi and Maceo.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd it makes sense because out. you've got a different artist there. Uh, so the artist mm-hmm. is Alexander Tefengi on yeah, the that right. first volume, who did such great work in The Good Asian. So I suppose uh, you could excuse an art change, I suppose, if it's going to be, as you say, a time jump and, you know, older characters and, and so on and so forth. Yeah,
1: so that's, that's. I mean, obviously, the uh, the first arc has shown us uh, Maceo at at the end, you know, what? at a later point of his life. Uh, as an old man so uh, that's that's the point that we're we're going to and this is also the first time that i think we've we've seen that this is going to be a 15 issue series
0: yeah we we were chatting about that in the store today actually mm-hmm. because when it was first announced we didn't know if it was five issue mini it was an ongoing that kind of thing but this is definitely the first time they've got a defined endpoint. so yeah, six and of 15 and, uh, that'll be know, that three makes,
1: arcs makes, yeah three arcs uh, with a time jump probably between arc two and
0: three. Then I would say that is uh, is accurate. But yeah, I mean, I remember once upon a time at the end of the world. I remember we both read issue one, and I really, really enjoyed it. And you mm-hmm. weren't too sure on it, but you know, you yep. you've been reading comics long enough to know. Don't judge it just by an issue one. Maybe give it two issues, because number one does a lot of world building, heavy lifting, that kind of thing. But two maybe sets up the characters and story. And you know, it's you. I think it ended up being a pick of the week from you. Uh, yes, along it the way. certainly so, did. Yeah, <laughs> highest compliment right there. So, uh, yeah, away from uh, Boom Studios and on to IDW. This is one, this is not something that particularly interests me because this is not my fandom, but I know there's a lot of guys in the store that love their Godzilla stuff. And there's a new title coming out written by Frank Thierry with art by Anika Miranda. And it's called Godzilla Here There Be Dragons, number one. So, in the 1500s, before humanity had successfully travelled the entire globe, it was believed that monsters ruled the oceans just beyond the horizon. Here there be dragons was written on maps to denote the areas people dared not to go. That is, until Sir Francis Drake circumnavigated the seas, visiting foreign lands and collecting treasure. That's what history tells us, at least, but history does not have the full tale. Monsters did lurk yonder, living on an island that still doesn't appear on any map, and among them was the king of them all, Godzilla. (laughs) <laughs> Admittedly, that actually sounds pretty cool. It's not really my fandom. I enjoy some of the movies. I, I, I maybe don't have the, uh, the same amount of reverence for Godzilla as some people would. But pre-orders have already started coming in for that, so I just thought it was definitely worth uh, that. That uh,
1: that does sound like an interesting solicitation. All right, I'm likewise not a not a not a huge fan. I was a huge fan of the the Godzilla cartoon back in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's as far as my interest really extended uh i think i watched maybe one of the godzilla movies the uh, in the 90s Um, it was the
0: 90s one which was roland emmerich which was you know coming off of independence day Mm, it was mm -hmm. was, like when i saw it in the 90s you know just to really sound old here uh in the cinema i thought it was the greatest movie ever made and that was matthew broderick wasn't it? matthew broderick and uh what do you call him Jean renault who was Mm leon Uh, was in it as well, but it's it's not a bad movie, but yeah, it's not not quite as great as my fourteen year old mind
1: remembered. Uh, seeing it I see. Yeah, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong is on uh, Amazon Prime or one of those. I might. Uh, is the it more, more modern about, ones are
0: are pretty good. So you you've got the first Godzilla, then you've got Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then you've also got a King um, a Kong Skull Island movie. So mm-hmm. uh, I would watch those three, and then they all lead to this so you could probably watch it okay. on its own as an independent movie but it does it is set up from those other ones but all right no okay. as i say i wanted to highlight that because it was godzilla but then as i was reading the solicitation i was like this actually sounds pretty
1: interesting <laughs> exactly well uh speaking of monsters uh we're moving to dynamite and disney's gargoyles uh which uh is going to be seven issues in uh on uh, on the 28th of june and this is uh, this is a perfect jumping on point. Uh, Gargoyles number seven, uh, and it's just a brilliant series. And uh, Demona is back. Demona was uh, Goliath's wife, as played by uh, by Marina Sirtis, uh, Diana Troy of, uh, of of Star Trek: The Next Generation fame. Because if you didn't know, the Gargoyles cartoon was effectively the Next Generation cast uh, assembled to do voices. A <laughs> whole lot of them were in, and it. it was brilliant, I think, apart from Patrick Stewart. But Demona is back, um, launching a new and exciting storyline. Gargoyle 7 is the perfect jumping on point for new readers. Goliath is in prison. Uh, Dino Dracon is on the rampage, and Demona returns to Manhattan, determined to gather the three new keys to power. Do Brooklyn and the clan have a prayer of stopping her without Goliath? Um, probably not. Uh, hmm. I am loving this series at the minute from uh, it's from series creator Greg Weissman and uh, artist. Uh, George Kambatis, uh so good, so good.
0: Cool, so continuing on then with Gargoyles, no doubt a trade will come out then of the first six uh, along the way, and it's it's part of the sort of new initiative Disney have been sharing with Dynamite Comics, you know, doing Gargoyles, they're doing Darkwing Duck, they're starting to do some villains uh, miniseries as well from Disney movies, so uh, it, it's interesting to me they don't just release it through Marvel Comics, but maybe they just want to keep the two separate. I'm not sure, but, uh, but you know, talking about things that you love, I, I obviously was talking earlier about you know my love of movies, uh, my love of the birth of Hollywood, all that kind of stuff. And this one caught my eye from a company called Fair Square Comics. Uh, it is described as the Wild West meets Hollywood. It's a title called Sunshine Patriots, number one. So it's from Howard Chaykin, who's pretty much Ooh. an industry legend at this point. Uh, he is both writing, drawing and doing covers for this. So, uh, you think you've read everything about Hollywood? Think again. And when legendary creator Howard Chaikin is in the director's chair, expect the unexpected. Follow the adventures of two former members of Roosevelt's Rough Riders cavalry who arrive in Hollywood in 1913 and find themselves caught in the web of a dangerous new world. As the first Sicilian mobsters make their way to the City of Angels, the two heroes find themselves recruited as mercenaries for the movie studios and drawn into the cutthroat world of cinema with a front row seat to the building of a new American empire. With its action-packed narrative and exciting new historical setting, Sunshine Patriots is a must-read for fans of the Western genre and anyone interested in the early days of Hollywood and the formation of one of the most important facets of modern American culture. So, yeah, that was one that just really caught my eye. Again, a, a good solicitation we can go a long way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's one that I I maybe missed. And, uh, I mean... I'm a I'm a fan of, uh, of wild fan west shows <laughs> and you're and you're a fan of early cinema so I'd say well maybe both and and I'm a huge fan of hard chicken, um so uh, so yeah that would be uh, that would definitely you gotta be follow worth those creators at. yeah absolutely um so speaking of the wild west uh, one more from me from Sourcepoint Press uh, hitting hitting the store on the 28th of June uh, is no rest for the wicked. Uh, The Dead Man's Hand special edition uh, by writers Kevin Miner and Matthew Miner and art and covers by Jack Miner. Uh, As uh, Andy noted earlier on, is it a a bit of a family affair? I don't know. It's also now a major live action film from Lionsgate. Uh, No Rest for the Wicked is back in this special edition featuring never before seen bonus content. A mysterious cowboy named uh, Reno shows up in the booming silver mining town of Crooked Creek. A card game goes about as badly as it can. And Reno runs afoul of local powers that be rescued from death in the desert by a local native tribe for their own purposes. Reno was sent in a mission of vengeance as more than a man, but less than a human. Um, that sounds, that sounds really interesting. Um, I was just sort of reading back. And uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's obviously a, a trade. Uh, just to be to be clear, and it was originally released, I think, by Sourcepoint point press. Uh, and it had been picked up by uh, by um, uh to be developed and, and filmed, but uh, it looks like looks like, as it says, Lion's Gate. Uh, maybe has it now, mm-hmm. um, which is which is interesting. So so yeah, I didn't pick that up the first time round. Uh, I don't know why. I, I may not have seen it. Uh, but I will certainly be—I uh, will certainly be uh, be picking it up uh, this time around.
0: Yeah, no, sounds very, very cool. Uh, I do wonder if it's hmm, eight point five by eight point five. So that's a square comic now, just so you know. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Eight point five inch by eight point five inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not gonna fit where. in the short box, Keith.
1: Well, I, well, I know
0: that, but it's not—not <laughs> not like it's, you know. <laughs> I think you're just seduced by uh, Source Points' motto here, which is "We create worlds." They know, do, if they said indeed. we build worlds, you'd be you'd be absolutely screwed. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But uh, yeah, so uh, maybe yeah, I'll maybe cool. have a look at that. Yeah, sounds good indeed. Um, but yeah, just a couple to finish off from myself. Uh, one which I found again on another read through of the book, and this might have been one you missed as well. But it it falls under the the purview of following creators. So this is something from Oni Press. Uh, and it's called Zeno it's number one of three it's a limited series that they're going to be 40 pages each time and it's billed as subversive sci-fi but the reason it caught my eye is because it's an anthology book and one of the writers on it is Chris Condon who of course is That Texas Blood which we love so much Uh, Melissa Flores is writing one, she is the creator and writer on The Dead Lucky you've got Phil Hester working on it as well so some really good creative uh, in this so Because the future is getting weirder every day, we give you Xeno001, the first of three 40-page intraocular lozenges of subversive, surrealist science fiction, to cure your awful awareness of it all. Try not to worry, the insertion process will be guided by the megawatt brilliance of Oni's brightest talents. Past, present and future as they slowly tune your hopes, dreams, desires, paranoia, alienation, anxiety and adrenaline to produce the desired results. In our first exploratory outing, Rising Stars Melissa Flores and Daniel Erazari surgically activate the hidden dimensions of the human senses. Cult Phenoms... I wonder if Chris Condon's ever been described as a cult Phenom before. Uh, (laughs) Cult Phenoms Chris Condon and Nick Cagnetti debut the world's first intravenous video game system. Underground radicals Jordan Thomas and Shaky Kane, uh surveil the suburbs for signs of covert infiltration. And master cartoonist and foundational Oni Press creator Phil Hester returns to the fold to leave his deepest mark yet. So, yeah, sci-fi anthology. Uh, but again, it was Chris Condon's name on that that caught my eye. So mm. I think I'll definitely check that out. And then two more to finish from me, which are from Titan Comics and... This this seems to be my slight evolution into being like Andy, you know, with these books. I have to say, but I don't care; they're endlessly entertaining. So the first one is uh, there's been a a series out called Gun Honey uh, from Titan Comics. It's under their Hard Case Crime imprint, and Gun Honey was all about this sort of sexy secret agent who, if you needed a gun put somewhere for a hit, she would get it anywhere. It didn't she didn't pull the trigger, she didn't kill anyone, but she would hide it exactly what she was paid to do. And it went from there. So there was two volumes so far, but they're actually doing a spin-off series, uh, which is called Heat Seeker, uh, a Gun Honey series, so number one of four. So Charles Hadai's Gun Honey spins off into a new oh, sexy thriller. uh mini-series, I'll just say thriller. Uh, featuring new series artist Ace Continuado. Marked for death by US intelligence agency, Gun Honey, Joanna Tan turns to Dahlia Racers to help her pull a vanishing act. But the Killer Hot on her trail, beautiful sociopath Sarah Claride will leave body strewn from New York to Las Vegas to Tijuana, Mexico, if it means cornering Dahlia and breaking her. So yeah, that's a, a four-issue mini-series again. I would imagine you can read it on its own, but I would highly recommend the, the first two Gun Honey books, although I will also say very much adult-only books. And speaking of adult-only books, <laughs> just to continue my theme, uh, the reason this caught my eye is, again, following Creators. Uh, this is from Enrico Marini, who's an Italian artist who did an amazing Batman book uh, a couple of years ago called The Dark Prince Charming. It was the first time that DC had entrusted Batman to a European creator, in the sense of Batman had mostly, to that point, been written by either British, Canadian, or American writers, but this was the first that they like a European writer uh, work on it and it was a phenomenally good book Uh, but he's been showcasing a lot of stuff on Instagram I I follow him on there uh, with these characters and this is obviously what it's all been building to this is going to be a 228 page graphic novel called Noir Burlesque So he's both writing and drawing this and doing covers. It is an advanced solicit. It's not out until September 6th. But uh, the solicit has it as a hard-boiled noir thriller from Batman artist Enrico Marini. An atmospheric violent crime caper set in 1950s New York with everything from femme fatales to double crosses. A heist gone wrong forces Slick to do a job for his employer Rex to repay the debt he owes but Slick is in love with Caprice Rex's ex girl wife turned burlesque legend and Rex also has the only way for Slick to avenge his murdered father There's a lot of noir tropes going on there <laughs> to say the least but yeah an original graphic novel as I said Vance solicit for September but I, I thought that that's right up my alley. Uh and that is Noir Burlesque.
1: Yep, shot sure. saw that one and thought of it.
0: Yeah, it did indeed. You know, it's almost like we know each other's tastes at this point. Mm. Uh they they frequently, you know, coincide. Collide, yes. You know. uh-huh. So uh but yeah. yeah, that is our sojourn through the April books. Again, majority of those titles are due for uh June, aside from uh some advanced solicits including the Daredevil by Mark Waid Omnibus, which is solicited for November just to give you another Um, reminder. uh.
1: What's the uh, what's the final order cutoff for the store? Well,
0: we're nice and early with it this month, which they is great. Are. So it's the 21st of April, so there's a good three weeks plus to, uh, to get your orders in. As ever, you can call in the store. We have sign-up sheets for the pull lists or pull list update sheets, whatever you want to call them. You can do it that way. You can drop us an email. You can tell us verbally in the store. Or as Keith will do, he will have a uh, spreadsheet of the comics he has bought for the last 20 years or something. And he will update it at the bottom and send it to me. And I have to cycle through like 130 pages to get to it.
1: I've been uh, I've been getting much better at cutting the the previous 100 and something pages off and just just sending you what what you need. Yeah, have, yeah, have.
0: I'm being facetious, but uh, mm-hmm. it just always endlessly amuses me when you see like what you were picking up on May the 13th, 2009. It's <laughs> <That's> crossed <laughs> out because you've got it. Um, so. Uh, so yeah loads of ways to get in touch with the store and and drop us your pull list updates if anything does catch your eye or or, or sound good in those previews books um so yeah as ever i hope this proved useful it's just again it's just always our opinion and and the the things that we're definitely going to be spending our money on uh and it's just to get that information out to you guys so again hope it proves useful and hope you enjoyed it and as ever it's been a it's been a pleasure chatting to you my man
1: yes absolutely uh good fun looking at Looking at the uh, the near future of comic bookdom.
0: Yes, indeed. And now we're going to look to the even nearer future of comic bookdom and go and read our pull list that
1: we picked up there. <laughs> exactly. just will be a new comic book day. Uh, mine, wasn't, uh, mine wasn't too bad this week.
0: Yeah, it was a manageable uh, week, I think, for both uh, of us. I think at about 16, 16 17. If it's under 20, me, I yeah. see that as a quiet week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, Yeah, 14 for me, which is nice because I'm still not through last week's.
0: Well, no, there you go. Still, so yeah. your week is still massive. It's just of your own doing. Instead that's of my it. doing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that's the one. Um
0: alrighty then. We shall leave it there. Again, hope you enjoyed this guys, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you in the store soon. So until next time. So I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller.
1: You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes One and I'm a 0 Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop, and community hub in Northern Ireland based at smithfield market in the center of belfast you can find coffee and heroes on facebook twitter
0: and instagram or email us at coffee at hotmail.com make sure to check out our youtube channel as well
1: the coffee and heroes podcast is available on spotify soundcloud apple podcasts and through all good podcast platforms please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us
0: and until next time happy reading and hope to see you in store